Well, hey there, Heritage. Want to welcome all of you across the network, our families of Bendorf, the men of Kiwani, those online, and each of you here at Rock Island. As we continue our journey towards Easter, we are actually starting a, a conversation called I Am, and, and this conversation today will undergird our journey all the way through Holy Week, all the way to Easter. And I am super excited about this journey because it is simply a conversation to position us to move into a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. And I cannot wait to walk this together. And you don't want to miss any of the conversations as we move towards Easter. Be sure to make time to be here because we want to go deeper in our understanding. We want to have a more full, uh, a fuller understanding of who Jesus is. And that's exactly what we're doing in the I Am series. In fact, I, I'm just so excited about this. I want to dive in deep right out of the gate. I want to get into the Word of God right away. So if you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of John. Chapter 8, fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to be in John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. We're going to have the scriptures up here on the screen, and they're also available in the note guide that was offered to you on the way in today. But we're in John chapter 8, and we're kind of coming in on this conversation where Jesus is interacting with some, some religious leaders known as Pharisees, and also some of the Jewish people of the day. They're just having this conversation where they're sorting out who Jesus is. And there's a lot of confusion in the conversation, partly because of a lot of preconceived notions, but also because of an unwillingness to really understand the breadth and width of who Jesus was. So we're going to dive into this conversation right in the middle of it. We're starting in verse 23 in chapter 8. We're going to get to verse 30, and then we're going to jump to verses 58 and 59. So track along with me here. But he, Jesus, continued, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke, many believed in him. And now we're gonna jump to verses 58 and 59. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, there's a lot of fascinating things for me when I read through this passage, a lot of interesting details, uh, things I have questions about, like he hid himself. How did he do that? Like cloak of invisibility, cloud of their eyes just disappeared. I, we don't really know, but it's so cool. I'm so fascinated with how Jesus handled dynamics in big and small ways. And there's a lot of interesting things in what we just read. And we're going to come back to this one that they picked up stones to throw at him. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. But I want to hold right here for a moment. Because with two words, Jesus radically changed the way people saw him and how they understood him. With two words, he declared truth that is relevant for us in our world today. With two words, he declared power and presented an invitation to freedom 
and to hope and to life and to his authority. Two simple but profound words that were revealing but yet also mysterious. Those words were, I am, I am. Now, we're, we're heading towards Easter, and Easter is just a wonderful time of year. It's actually one of my favorite times of the year. I love the season leading up to Easter. I love the spring season as spring kind of intersects with Easter. It's just this powerful thing because trees and flowers start to come back to life. We, the birds start to sing again. Everything of creation just cries out new life as we step towards Easter. It's beautiful. It's exciting. However, if we follow Jesus, we know that Easter is not limited to a day or a particular season. That the significance of Easter is critical for every day and every season. It's important. In fact, it's the single most significant event in all of human history. And what Easter actually does for us, it reminds us that the impossible is possible in our lives. This is the first feeling if you wanna use your note, God, as we walk through our study time today, that the impossible is possible in our lives. Easter reminds us that what is impossible for us is actually possible for God. Easter reminds us that he provides a way forward in relationship with him. And it's important for us to understand how he does that, but even more important to understand who he does that through. In fact, this whole thing, this, this idea that there is life ahead is rooted in one particular person. It's rooted in Jesus. He is the who. He is the son of God, fully God, fully man. He is Messiah, sinless redeemer. His life, his death, his resurrection change the trajectory of human history and make Easter a significant time of celebration. But it's not just about what he did or what he will do. It's also about what he's doing. Because Jesus is someone who bridges past, present, and future. He, he, he bridges through the realities of past, present, and future. And I want to settle in and take a closer look at this today as we try to understand more fully who he is. And, in, and just to help us start that conversation, I want to just engage a simple exercise that kind of gives us the right headspace that frames the rest of our conversation. So here's what I have. I, ha I have with me right here a cup that is appropriately filled with a green liquid today to about 50%. This cup has liquid about 50% in it. And the reality is that when you and I look at an item and we see something like this, we can see it in different ways. And we can actually talk about the same thing differently. When you look at this cup, you can actually look at it and go, well, this cup is half what? Uh-huh, yeah, you're not all on the same page. It's half empty, half full. Some of you are thinking, well, it's actually all full. It's just half water and half air. It's just all full. See, we look at things different ways, and we can talk about the same thing different ways. In fact, just turn to somebody wherever you're at, Bendorf, get in on this, and tell them how you would describe this. When you look at this cup, what do you see? Go ahead and turn. Tell them. Tell them what you think it looks, what it is. And if they don't agree, champion your own perspective for a moment. Why do you see it that way? Okay, good, listen. We can, we can describe the same thing in different ways because we see things differently. How many of you, how many look at this cup and say it's half empty? Go ahead, raise your hand. It's all right, it's good. Yeah, good. How many say it's half full? Okay, how many of you say it's totally full? It's just half water, half air. Okay, any of you out there saying the cup is just plain dirty? I see this, it's just dirty. I do the dishes at my house, this thing is just dirty. <laughs> 
we see things different ways and, and we describe the same thing different ways. Hang with me for a second. I want to, in a moment, give you three statements that I want to encourage you to consider how you would finish for yourself. Three simple statements. How you would finish these statements for yourself. You, the same person, different ways. Here's the three statements. I was, I am, I will. How would you finish those statements for yourself? I am, I was, I am, I will. Let me give you an example. For me, for me, I was worshiping over there a little bit ago. I am now teaching here, and I will be worshiping over there in a little bit, again. <laughs> I was, I am, I will. How would you finish these statements for you? Same person, different ways to describe us. So we all know that there is a then, and there's a now, and there's a next. We, we live in a time continuum. We know there's a then, a now, and a next. But yet we can describe the same thing differently in light of how we look at it. And to be honest, we actually have a proclivity where we look at things more one way than another. We have a tendency to look one way and not in other ways. We can do that in things like half full, half empty cup of green water. <laughs> and when we do look at it in one way more than fully, we can stop short in understanding of that thing or of that person or of that situation. We can look at things differently. So we can often look at scenarios and think there, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. Uh, there's before, during, and after. What was, what is, and what will be. We can describe the same things differently because we look at them in different ways. We, we do it with a cup. We can also do it with food. Often when we think about food, we think about the delicious food we've had in the past. And we can think about the food we want to eat next. But very rarely do we think about the food that is currently in our bodies, sustaining us and giving us energy, unless it's giving us some problems. <laughs> then we're thinking about it. See, we can describe things differently and we tend to focus one way in how we look at things. And if we do that, we can end up stopping short in our full understanding of what that is. Most of us think in one or two ways, but not necessarily all three. And it's okay with food and water. But when it comes to Jesus, how we think of him is a bit more important. How, how we interact with him, how we relate to him is a bit more important. See, Jesus was. He, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. He, he was. And he will be. One day he will return. It is a good and wonderful thing that he came. We needed him to come. We, we needed him to, to pay a sin debt we couldn't pay. The fact that he came is wonderful and good. And the belief that he comes again is something we hope will have a good result as well. He, he was and he will be. Many people lay into the reality that he was pretty comfortably. They study it, they know it, they believe it, history points to it, we're comfortable, and then we have the hope and expectation that he will come back, that, that he was and that he will be. But what about the middle? What about now, present? See, we're pretty comfortable laying a hold of the was dynamic, especially as it intersects with our past, that he, we can have forgiveness of the stuff in our past. And we really do want the hope of an eternal home. We, we want to be able to land on the right side of that. But the reality is Jesus not only was and will be, he is. He is. 
So are you living in light of who he is? If we just think of Jesus as someone who was, well, he was a rabbi, he was a good teacher, he's the God-man, and we believe that he's going to come back as conquering king, risen Lord, but we're missing the middle, the is component. Well, now we're not complete in our understanding. We have to ask the question, are we living in light of who he is? Because this is the space of relationship. We don't live in relationship out of what was or will be. We live in relationship in the now out of what is. You know, when I was growing up, I understood that Jesus was the figurehead of the church and the God of my parents. And so I believed that he came and lived and died and rose again and that he was. And I had the hopeful expectation that when he came back, I would be on the right side of that, that, that just by faith I would be there. It was significant that he came and important that he would come back. But this middle was a bit more challenging or less clear for me. See, I didn't sit in a space where I understood that he is. I understood he was and he would be. It was not necessarily understanding that he is. And that left me in a space where I lived on my own for him, not in rebellion, not against him, just for him based on what I understood was and will be, but not with him. And some of us today are living in a posture where we look at Jesus in what was and will be, but we're not accessing the reality that he is. We're not sitting in a place where we understand his transforming power. We don't understand that he actually, as someone who is, imparts his wisdom and his strength to us so that we can navigate the things of this life, not just rooted in what was and will be, but in the realities that are. And if we end up in a space where we're just knowing him based on what was and will be, it's incomplete. It's not bad. What was and will be is real. It's legit. These are expressions of faith. Not you're sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Was and will be are places of expressing faith. But is is the context of relationship. This is where we relate to him. Now, for me, as I continued, in, and I, when I went to college, I began to understand relationship with him differently. Uh, I began to pray differently. I saw him answer prayer in real time, and it all began to change for me when I understood that he wasn't just somebody who was and will be, that he is. Because without that, I was trying to earn something of forgiveness and grace and earn something of what was promised, but I wasn't living in the reality of who he is, and I'm missing the relational dynamic. And if you today are someone who knows that he came and know that he believes that he comes back, but you're not living in the context that he is today, it's not bad, it's just incomplete. We, we can actually know him. We can actually live in relationship with him. We can understand the fullness of who he is. Beyond what was and what will be, there's a context for now. And that's where the relationship happens. We can know him now, but I think many people actually get stuck in what was and what will be at the expense of understanding what is. But we can relate to him to now. And if we don't move intentionally and carefully into the present is space in our journey with him, well, then we end up living in the present based only on what was and only on what will be. And that's incomplete. It's not wrong. It's incomplete. Because he not only is someone who was and will be, he is someone now, is now. The reality is real. So how do you most relate to him? Was, is, or will be? Because he's all of it. 
And it matters if we lean into that understanding or not. Without engaging his present reality, without engaging the is present component, we end up struggling in this life. We struggle in our relationship to him and our relationship in this world and all the junk we intersect with. We end up struggling in that dynamic. But when Jesus said in John 8, I am, he said he is. And that reality allowed him to make a promise later where he said, surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. As one who was and is and even is to come. You know, there's lots of evidence about the nature of Jesus and the deity of Jesus. But one of the things that has fascinated theologians for many years is his use of the words I am for himself. On page two of your note guide, you can find this, that, that I am is really in the original ancient Greek, ego I me, ego I me. And it is, it is the first person singular present tense of the verb to be in the Greek. Yes, first person singular present tense. My seventh grade English teacher is jumping for joy somewhere that I got that right. First person singular present tense. And those of you who are into grammar and English are geeking out about that reality, but it's, it's the first person singular present tense of the, of the verb to be in the Greek, which simply means that I exist, I happen, I am present. Ego, I me. Jesus uses this terminology frequently, and it's captured a number of times in the book of John. Several times he actually says it in a pregnant way. He says it with a loaded meaning, uh, he says it in a way where it doesn't have an immediately identifiable predicate that follows behind it. It doesn't have a follow-on next. Ego I me. He actually says it, it's captured 24 times in the Gospel of John. 17 of those times, they have an immediately identifiable predicate, a, a follow-on. Let me show you just a, a few examples of them. I am the living bread. This is the predicate. This is the follow-on. He, he'd also say, I am the good shepherd. Here's the follow-on after I am, or I am the light of the world. Listen, 17 times he had a predicate or a follow-on that followed the words I am, but seven times he did not. Those seven times are considered absolute statements, pregnant statements without a predicate or a follow-on. And they were significant and powerful in their meaning. Seven times he said simply I am. Three of those times are in John chapter eight. We've already looked at them once, verse 24, verse 28, and verse 58. I want to go back to them for just a moment, but I want to do it in a different translation. I actually want to do it in a more literal translation where there's more word for word. And you're going to see it's a bit more old school in its language. It's got the the and the thou and the ye's in it, all right? And just to get you ready for this reading, I just want you to turn to somebody and say, delighted to see thee. Just turn to someone next to you say, delighted to see thee. Tell them that. Delighted to see thee. Say, are ye ready? Are ye ready? Great. I don't know that I did that last one well. It sounded a little more pirate-ish, but uh, we're ready now. So we're going to actually look at this. This is what Jesus, these are the words of Jesus in a more literal translation. Let's take a look at this. Verse 24, ye shall die in your sins, for if ye may not believe that I am, ye shall die in your sins. If you don't now believe I am, ego I me, if you don't now know and believe, the cost is great. The, the consequence of sin is great if you don't know and believe I am. Verse 28, when ye may lift up the Son of Man, then ye will know that I am. Ego I me. There's a very subtle but direct 
recognition of the cross in what he's saying. That when he is lifted, then you will know I am. Verse 58, verily, verily, I say to you, before Abraham's coming, I am. Before Abraham I was, because I am. Ego I me. My friends, these are, these are huge statements because he's saying he's God. He's declaring his identity as God. Now, now for the people of the day, for, for Jesus to say, I am living bread or I am good shepherd, to use those metaphors, would have seemed maybe odd or interesting, but they wouldn't have been offensive because they kind of veiled his authority and veiled his identity a little bit. But I am, ego I me, leaves no room for misunderstanding or ambiguity. It was very clear what he was saying. For us, we read, I am, and then stopping short without a predicate, we're like, you am what? <laughs> Same English teacher didn't like I just did that, but okay, <laughs> am what? But for the people of the day, it was very clear. Because the Jewish people, the, the most holy name for God was Yahweh. And Yahweh could be translated, I am. And it was very clear Jesus was declaring his deity, fully God, fully man. And that's why they picked up stones, because they were going to kill him for blasphemy. You know, when, when Jesus uses ego I me as the son, he's declaring his deity as God. But at the same time, He's also saying that he exists in the timeless reality of eternity. When he says, ego I me, he is declaring that he exists in the timeless reality of eternity. That he was, he is, and he is to come. He's saying, I am now. I am redeemer, I am savior, I am friend. His present reality in the temple space in John 8 is just as real for us now. Now. It was real then, it is real now. It looks different now for us because he now sits at the right hand of the Father. After he rose from the dead, he went back to heaven and he will come back, but now it looks differently. We can still know him. We can still relate to him through the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, as he reveals himself to us. We can still intersect in relationship with him. He, he, he is, he, he will come again. But hear me, he was before, before Abraham, I am. Look, you want to blow your mind a bit about understanding Jesus and who he was and is and is to come? Move seven chapters earlier in the Gospel of John to chapter 1, where you find the words, in the beginning was the word, the word is with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. If you replace the word word with Jesus, you actually get a more clear picture of what Scripture is saying. That in the beginning was Jesus. He was with God and he was God. He was with God in the beginning. Nothing that has been created has been made without him. He didn't just show up in a manger. He was, he is, and he is to come. He exists in the timeless reality of eternity. Fully God, fully man. Listen, the significance of Jesus is, is then, is now, is next. He is. Is is the space of relationship. 
that we, we may struggle in this life with things we've messed up in the past. We may struggle with what people say of us now. We may be fearful of what is yet to come. But the reality of a risen Lord who offers power and wisdom and strength now should mean that this space of present reality should not be marked by struggle and weakness, but marked by power and strength in him, because he is. Yet this is the space we struggle. We struggle with the stuff we've messed up. We struggle with what people say about us and the complexities of life, and we're fearful of what is still yet to come. But we shouldn't do that. We don't have to do that. We struggle in this space here, trying to be good enough to earn what is still yet to come, but we're not good enough. We need a savior We can't save ourselves. If you're trying to save yourself and position yourself to be here, stop, please stop. We cannot save ourselves. We need the I am. Yet we get here and we we try to be good enough. We try to move ourselves through. We try to earn our way because we find ourselves in the in-between space like I did as I was growing up as a kid, trying to earn the grace of forgiveness, trying to earn the reward of eternity, but navigating the middle on my own with good heart but because I was missing the reality that he exists in that timeless space, not just was and will be, but is now. And you and I, we can relate to him now, but far too often, I think in the present reality, we rely on our own strength and we try to be our own savior by earning something to cover what was and to position us for what can be. But he says, let me do that. Well, we can't save ourselves. We need the I am. When Jesus spoke this in in verse 24 of John, he said, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. We need the I am to navigate the realities of what was and is and is to come in our own lives. And because he is the one who bridges past, present, and future, he is the one where we can find strength and freedom. He moved from life to death to life, and we give him access and authority in our lives He sets us free, free now. In the midst of that conversation about I am with the Pharisees and the the other Jews that were present, Jesus actually says something in verse 36, as the son, here's what he says. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. As the one who was and is and is to come, freedom is available now. His power is available now. His wisdom and his strength to move through life is available now not just was and will be. If we end up in that space, it's incomplete. We need to live in light of who he is. And because he is I am, because of who he is, who we are can be different now. Not just then, but now. Not just next, but now. But when we live in light of who he was and will be, but don't live in light of the present reality that he is, then we struggle. We struggle in our relationship with him. We struggle in our relationships with others. We get sideways. We get stuck. We get stuck in fear. We get stuck in shame. We get stuck in regret until we actually live in the reality that he is, not just was and will be. But we have to make that intentional choice to step towards understanding that he is the one who was and is and is to come. The disciple John who wrote John 8 actually wrote a couple other books in the Bible. The book of Revelation is one of them. And in that book, he describes the one who was and is and is to come. And I think it's often at this time of year, especially as we approach Easter, that as we celebrate what was and we recognize what is still yet to come and what will be, 
that we can get caught up in focusing on those two realities at the expense of what is. And then we end up in a space where we struggle, not living in the fullness of a risen Lord, the realities of now and today. And when we do that, the implications are huge. It changes the way we look at ourselves, it changes the way we look at others, and it changes how we handle present circumstances. But when we recognize that he is, that he exists in the timeless reality of eternity, now we're positioned to live today differently in his power and in his strength. So I, I think when we're doing things well, we feel good about ourselves and our life. We, we feel good, but when we don't do some things well, we feel really badly about it. We, we struggled in, 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 in shame and things that cause us to question our value. But the crazy cool thing about the I am in spite of all of our failures, because of the blood of Jesus, because he is the I am, ego I me, we are more than what has been. We actually live in light of being new creatures in Christ. We are actually new creations under the I am. When we step into understanding he was and will be, but also is, we are new creations now, for, forgiven, healed, made whole, we're free of guilt, we're free of shame, we're free of fear and regret because we're made new. We know this because of what we find in 2 Corinthians 5 where it says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone is in Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. In Jesus, we're made new. When we step into a relationship with him, give him authority in our life, there's still more journey. They're still working towards holiness. They're still learning how to live under his lordship. We still walk that process, but there is an absolute reality that in the moment, in the now space, we're free. We're free. We have access to his wisdom, access to his strength to navigate the complexities of life. The moment we step into relationship, we are new creatures in him. And if we only relate to him as one who was or will be, we end up missing out on the fullness that he is now. And it's the is space where we relate. One of the things that I, uh, that I think we have to be able to know and understand, especially as we approach Easter, is that we should be living in light of who he is and what he's done and what can be. It's was and is and is to come reality. That the broken can be mended, that lost can be found. That the wounds and hurts of our lives can be healed. That, that the spaces we're stuck and imprisoned in some kind of bondage to addiction or some other things, we actually can be free. That's available now. It's the impossible being made possible in our lives. Forgiveness and purpose and life being given to us through the I am. But I think our tendency often is to define ourselves by what has been. And even to define other people by what has been. When in reality, Jesus calls us to live in light of what is now. We can get into a headspace where we say, you know what, it just is. Just get a mentality of, that's just the way I am. I'm kind of here in this space. But the reality is that Easter reminds us that all of us can be made new. Every one of us can step into new life because the I am invites us into his presence, invites us into transformation, invites us where, he, where we allow his power to, to position us to see ourselves and others very differently when we give him authority as I am. And if you're thinking today, even saying to yourself, man, man, I don't think I can ever be free of that thing. If you're thinking or saying to yourself, I, I can never forgive for that particular action, or I can never be forgiven for what I did over here. If you're thinking or saying those things, even thinking that a, a broken relationship can't be reconciled, listen to me. If you're thinking or saying those things to yourself, you are not living into the fullness of I am. You're not living in the power that is available even now. 
of the ego I me. Because fundamentally, he covers what was and is and is to come. You can be made new. And the implications of I am are now. They're now, not just was and will be. They are now. He can make you new. Easter's not about what we've done or what I've done, what you've done. It's about what he's done, what he is doing, what he's willing to do. If we will step into his, his authority and the implications of living under him are now, now. So what? So what, what do we do with this conversation? Listen, of all the things we talked about today, if you only walk away with one thing, I want you to walk away with this, that because of Jesus, because he is I am, ego I me, what was doesn't have to be. What was doesn't have to be in your life. You can be made new. Your past, present, and future can be covered as you lean into trusting I am, as you lean into trusting ego I me, as the one who was and is and is to come. We have an opportunity this Easter to be defined not by what we've done, but by what he's done. By what he's done, what he will do, but also by what he can do even now. In authority and in power. In him, we're not defined by what we've done, by our mistakes, by our failures, by our problems. We don't have to stumble around in what was. We can actually live in light of what can be. Because he not only was and not only will be, but he is now. And through his work on, this, on the cross, we can be declared blameless. We can be declared free, but we have to believe he is I am. We have to step into a posture of receiving forgiveness and living in light that he is I am. Ego I me. You know, we're gonna walk the rest of our journey in this series, unpacking and understanding how we do that, how we live in light of the fact that he is I am. We're gonna look at other I am statements that he made. They're powerful. They impact then, now, and next in our lives. If we'll understand that he isn't just someone who came, he isn't just someone who will come back. He is someone who now sits at the right hand of God, offering to us relationship. He is the one by which we have relationship with. And relationships are not based on past and future. Relationships are lived out in the present. And if you've never stepped into relationship with God through Jesus, you've not yet taken that step, I want to encourage you to do so as we start this journey. It, without stepping in and saying, Jesus, forgive me for what was. I trust you for what will be. And I live under your authority now. Without that, the rest of this all falls apart. But if, if you want to step into relationship with God through Jesus, you can do that. In the back of your note, God gives you some of those steps in a prayer to pray. But it's the beginning of living into the fullness of his power and his wisdom and his strength for today. Because it's now. It's not just was and will be, it's now. He's, he wants to heal now. He wants to set free now. He wants to make whole now and position us to live fully in his authority. If we will embrace the reality that he is, I am. Ego, I me. He actually wants to meet us here, today, in the present, out of an authority that bridges past, present, and future. Because he is a risen Lord, one who conquered sin and death, and he reigns, and he will come back. But he asks for it and asks and invites authority in our lives now so we can experience the fullness of who he is, not just then and not just next, but now, now, as the I am, ego I me. Would you pray with me? Lord, I am so grateful that out of a love for us, you sent Jesus. I thank you that your love compelled you to send him and his love for you and for us held him on the cross. And that when he was lifted, the reality that he was, I am, was clear. 
God, I pray that you would help us to live in light of the fact that Jesus not only was and is, but also is to come. And that under the authority of I am, we can see the impossible made possible. That you will set us free, that you will allow us to sink deeper into understanding your love for us. And it won't just be something that we understand out of history. And it won't be something we just hope for by faith. It'll actually be something we live every moment of every day. So Jesus, I ask that you would continue to speak as we step into a few more moments of worship through song, that it is by your name that we are saved. It is by your power that we live in the fullness of life. And it's not just because of what was and will be, it's because of now. May we live in a space today in the fullness of who you are. I pray this in, in the strong and mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, amen.